Welcome to the ACFCS Financial Crimecast, a briefing featuring the latest news, analysis, and guidance from across the financial crime spectrum. I'm Brian Spodekindle, VP of Product Development with ACFCS, and I want to start out this episode by asking you a question. Where are you right now? For many of us, myself included, I'm guessing the answer is still somewhere at home, in a home office or other remote work setup. That's been great for some, challenging for others, and new and unusual for many of us, perhaps most of us. And as always, when something's new and disruptive, it opens the door to fraud risk. In this case, internal fraud, like theft of sensitive data or misappropriation of company assets. So with remote work likely the new future, how can companies get a handle on their internal fraud risks in this new reality? What does insider fraud monitoring and detection look like in this context? To explore these questions and many others, I'm happy to be joined by Albert Leno, Solutions Consultant, Team Lead with Bottom Line. Well, Albert, thanks so much for being here. It is a pleasure to have you on the Financial Crimecast and uh, really excited to talk about this topic. You know, I'm working from home right now, uh, so it's uh, it's one that's near and dear to my heart. So I appreciate you being here. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Brian. Certainly the pleasure is all on this end. I'm glad to be here and have this conversation with you. Excellent. Well, if you don't mind just uh, giving us a little background about who you are, um, your role in this space, and, uh, and your experience in the, in the financial crime world. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Albert Leno. Uh, I'm based out of New Jersey. Uh, I've been in the fintech vendor type of space for about 15 plus years now, primarily focused in on financial services. Eventually, the way my career took me, I started out in a lot of post-sales types of ventures, so in the implementation space, in the business analysis space, but eventually I found my passion was in the solutions consulting side of the house, so being able to find the latest and greatest types of technologies and connect them to the different types of solutions that our uh, potential customers and partners need. Now, as luck would have it, or serendipity as I like to call it, uh, I ended up getting into the financial crime space where I've totally found a passion for the kind of what we're really trying to solve in the space being that altruistic nature of helping uncover nefarious activity, right? So that we can kind of deter all of that from happening for the greater good. Excellent. Yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting space and it is a true opportunity to uh, to make an impact, which is what I love about it too. And uh, I was actually born in the uh, the great state of New Jersey myself, and now here in Philadelphia, so just down the just down the road from you. So, uh, so let's let's dive right into it. Um, massive changes in the past eighteen months due to the pandemic in the way that we work, um, and it seems likely that those are going to continue for the foreseeable future in, in a lot of companies and a lot of industries. There's uh, hybrid work models. There's permanent remote. Uh, and that's created new challenges in in this in this uh, space of insider fraud in particular. I think a lot of institutions, you know, and and other organizations felt like maybe they had a handle on insider fraud, but things have changed, and uh, the threat landscape of insider fraud has changed. So, what are some of the key challenges in detecting and monitoring for insider fraud and risk that you're seeing, uh, and how are you seeing organizations address those? So that's actually a great question to start with, Brian. And kind of the way I look at it is that this is not a challenge per se, right? As a lot of people like to look at it, but 
In fact, the best organizations out there, what I'm noticing is that they're looking at this as an opportunity to get better, right? So instead of seeing how can I maintain the same level of productivity and effectiveness that we've had in the past kind of landscape, right? Most organizations are trying to find out what can I actually do to increase that productivity and effectiveness. So what, one of the key challenges I would say if we were looking at it through that lens is probably the difference now in proximity, right? So what I mean by that is we don't really realize how much proximity plays a role in how people work and collaborate, but also in how also we can detect nefarious type of activity, right? So I want to throw out a, a pretty interesting stat here that almost half of all fraud is detected by employee tips. Now that could be hearing a rogue conversation as you're going past some cubicles or seeing certain outlier behavior in regards to, hey, this particular employee is always um, at work at this particular time, which is not typical for that type of role, right? With us not being together, uh, I anticipate that this is a lot harder for people to try and report this. And, and I imagine that number has gone down. So what I'm thinking is that organizations out there are going to have to lean heavier on analytics to really figure out what's going on with their employees at all the different remote locations that they're now um, doing their jobs from. So it's quite an interesting paradigm shift out there. It, it is an interesting point. It's not one that I, you know, really honestly thought too much about, but it's obvious, you know, now that you pointed out that uh, uh, the loss of, of direct interaction leads that leads to that loss of visibility into, you know, potentially fraudulent behaviors and, and likewise, uh, the potential tips that are coming in. So it makes total sense. Yeah, pretty fascinating. And I think leaning into the, the tech side of it is is definitely one way to go. Uh, I wanted to get to that in just a second, but let's let's talk about the priority level that you've seen here. There are reputational risks to insider fraud. Um, there's cultural risks, you know, if you have an, an organization in which fraudulent behavior is taking place and potentially later detected, um, you know, can it negatively impact the culture? Uh, so what is the, what is the priority level that you've seen organizations treat internal fraud risk with, um, at the some of the organizations you work with? So this is always an interesting one to me. And the reason I say that is because I liken a lot of the organizations and partners that I've had interactions with uh, to families, right? We like to, what I mean by that is we like to criticize our own people, but we, we take a certain level of umbrage when people outside of our, of our family try to criticize those same people, right? So in that regard, it's really hard to get an organization to want to candidly talk about the different flaws to people like me, right? To different vendors or just out people outside of that space. I mean, it's certainly understandable because they don't want to potentially leak some reputational damage out there that's going to potentially impact the organization in a material way in, in any type of fashion, right? So we, so we certainly understand that. However, uh, the, the kind of thing that makes this interesting is that as a vendor or just as someone in the financial crime space, a lot of our learnings are actually done through these partnerships and through these discovery processes that we have with organizations, right? Although we have the SMEs and thought leaders in space that have worked many years, sometimes decades in the space, we learn the most through that candid feedback loop that we have when we're actually uh, talking to these organizations. So with that, I'd say that the priority level is very high. It's just 
how do we engage them in a way that they understand that we're trying to mutually kind of get to the same place, you know, but also being sensitive enough to know that we're trying to, they have to safeguard themselves because they can't just release that information to, you know, anybody that they see on the street. Yeah, that is an interesting point. You know, it's uh, it's not exactly a, something that you're just going to be willing to tell everybody, <laughs> um, even though you know, in, in some in some regards, a level of increased transparency is is a uh, is a good thing and more effective to potentially address some of these issues. There's still a level of sensitivity around it. Um, on that same note, let's talk about proactivity versus reactivity. Um, you know, given that that there is a a sort of instinct to uh, to circle the wagons when there is a fraud in, uh, fraud incident. Um, how do you see organizations proactively taking on some of these issues, you know, thinking about how they're going to address uh, the insider fraud risk, especially in the new work from home environment, versus just reacting to an incident? Um, and what type of incident typically prompts a reaction to seek assistance and to seek, as you mentioned, maybe some of those analytics or new tools that can help address this, the, the, these concerns. So that really goes back to kind of that previous question that we just talked about around focusing on the culture and reputation of the organization. And, and I know this doesn't sound like a, a pretty succinct answer, but it really is all going to depend, right? There's going to be certain factors out there, such as a big loss, maybe even a regulatory action. Um, that, that's going to be a typical reason as to why an organization is going to purposefully go out there and try to seek help. However, what we've seen in the industry historically is that these are all reactive types of approaches, right? It's almost the, the predicate in regards to, hey, something happened to us. Now we got to look for help in regards to how do we alleviate all the pressure. Now, what you're finding is that with technology out there evolving at the pace that it has been, the ability to really consume and process data is becoming a more fluid event, right? It's, it's not a static, let's process these certain amount of information at this certain time. It's let's incorporate the information as it comes in. And then let's make our decisions in real time to really take that proactive approach and hopefully negate things before they actually happen. Now, in addition to that, um, something that's also an external force that's impacting the way people look at the proactive versus reactive is cloud adoption. The ability for people to get more comfortable putting information in the cloud, allowing the processing power of the cloud to kind of help them navigate what they should look at, that's also becoming a seismic game changer in how people are approaching uh, that proactive versus reactive type of conversation. Is there any kind of trends, I guess, um, that you've seen in the last 18 months of the types of uh, organizations that you've seen kind of, you know, I guess, realize that they had a problem to some extent? Um, is it, you know, different types of the financial sector? Uh, is it uh, is it really across the board? Is it certain geographies or regions? I'm just interested in, in um, you know, hearing is, is it like kind of just all uh, full spectrum or is it certain kind of concentrated in certain areas where people said oh man you know we have some issues around insider fraud we really need some help so with it i'd say that it depends on the robustness of the product offerings so what i mean by that is a lot of organizations out there and i think they took this from the amazon model right 
Amazon started off in books, but Amazon soon realized they can bridge off into certain things in retail, certain things into the, the cloud computing, as we were talking about. And, and that's facilitating a different type of employee that they're going to need internally. One that's able to touch all of these different parts of the business, right? And, and now instead of being siloed, they need applications and kind of detection that's allowed to see the commonalities or even the outliers, right? In the activity it's going to take when you're looking at all of this information internally. So in terms of trends, what you're finding is that uh, organizations are very big on looking into things such as network analytics. So being able to figure out that this employee, what is in their kind of purview of relationships that is going to be pertinent to, or, or, or risky to, to certain types of things that we need to look at. Um, also entity resolution, just trying to figure out, hey, is this person who's looking at information for, for Brian, right? Is that indeed the same Brian across this, these different spans of products that we have as an organization? Because we're trying to find the commonalities into, in regards to, you know, why is this potentially a threat or, or, or risky type of behavior for that individual? Yeah, I think that that issue of entity, entity resolution has uh, become extremely important. Um, and on that note, you know, we're talking, we've, we've already kind of touched on this or dived into it a little bit, but, uh, you know, as you've mentioned before, the loss of visibility from a, from a, a physical level, uh, the role of tech is, is becoming increasingly important. Uh, so what role can automated technologies such as AI, machine learning, um, play in detecting anomalous patterns of behavior and flag potential fraud risk? Uh, and, and what does that look like in practice? Can you give us some, some thoughts on that? So they can actually play a huge role. Now, I feel like I've been saying, as I've had these discussions, that it's the next generation. But in many ways, AI, machine learning, it's already here in full force. We know that data and information is everywhere right now, and it's constantly changing. So the days of kind of throwing bodies at detection, right, trying to sift through the information yourself, that's no longer a sustainable option for a lot of organizations. What they're really trying to do now is leverage technology to be able to sift through information, bubble up what's pertinent for them to look at in the form of those alerts, so that the investigators are really going to be focusing in on doing the actual investigation, as opposed to that time-consuming, monotonous part of trying to go through information and really sift through, hey, is this relevant? Do I need this? Right. And, and, and that's going to really be the focus in regards to the digital transformation that you're going to see by a lot of organizations out there who, who are really trying to um, solve this type of problem. Yeah, the days of, of tracking things by spreadsheets or even, uh, you know, manual incident reports or paper documentation for those out there still uh, using paper are, uh, are long since over. And especially with the, uh, the new push into the, the era of digital transformation. So uh, it's time to get digital in uh, internal fraud prevention, too. And I'm glad to, glad to see that there are organizations and individuals like yourself, you know, bringing that innovation to the table. 
to help to help the financial sector push it forward. So, so Albert, thank you so much for being here on this uh, this episode of the Financial Crimecast. It's been a real pleasure having this conversation with you, uh, and just want to just want to say thanks for the the time and the insight on this topic. Um, and looking forward to welcoming you back on a hopefully on a, a future edition of the Financial Crimecast. I appreciate that, Brian. It's the definitely the pleasure has been all on this end. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've appreciated your time as well, and, and I look forward to speaking again soon. And thanks to our audience out there for listening. Uh, please find the Financial Crimecast if you have not already on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your other favorite podcasting platforms. Well hopefully most of your other favorite podcasting platforms there's a lot out there these days and i can't guarantee we're everywhere uh but thank you so much for the uh the time and attention and please tune in for another episode of the financial crime cast goodbye for now